How, a lot of you may not even been alive, but you've heard the story. On February the 22nd, 1980, the, the, the Winter Olympics were going on in Lake Placid, New York. And on this particular day, the United States hockey team was getting ready to play the old Soviet Union hockey team. And it was a medal round, and so the, the, the team that won this would have a chance to go and play for the gold medal next. And it was almost absolutely certain that the Americans were going to not only lose, but they were going to lose big time. The, uh, back then, the Olympics were literally played by amateurs. They were supposed to be. They didn't bring in professionals to come in and play. And the Americans had the youngest team there. The average age was 21. And in the, in the exhibition season, they had done so-so. The Soviet team had won four of the last five gold medals, four of the last five Winter Olympics. And they were on a tremendous streak. Now, most of those guys were professionals. They just said they were in the military, but they would uh, do military two weeks a year and do hockey 11 and a half months a year. And they had played two weeks earlier, you'd say a practice game or a scrimmage, and the Soviets had beaten the Americans 10 to 3. Now, I don't know anything about hockey, but I'm going to assume in baseball that's like getting beat 20 to 1 or maybe basketball 90 to 30 or football 56 to 7. I mean, that is a spanking. In fact, that the Soviet team had played a NHL all-star team and beaten them badly. They were just tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. Well, as the game began to unfold, the Americans were staying with them. And late in the game, the Americans tied up. And then late in the game, the Americans went ahead. And as the game was coming to an end, Al Michaels, who's still on the air today, made a famous statement as it looked like the Americans were going to win, which they did. As he said, do you believe in miracles? And America won, and then they won the next game and won the gold medal. And it really was a miracle in the, the sports realm. I want to ask you this morning two questions. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe God can still pull it off? Raise your hand. Let me have a little confidence that I'm preaching to a crowd that has some confidence in God. Well, let me just say this. If God is God, God can do anything. If God's not God, of course, he can't do anything. That's, that's what it kind of boils down to. We're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And we're going to look at the story of Mary this morning and, and how Jesus came about. And it's a miraculous story. I mean, it is a fantastic, miraculous story. And we're going to, we're going to do the sermon a little different today. We're going to walk through the scriptures. And apply it as we go, but then we're going to come and try to stick it to our hearts more uh, in, in the following moments after that. In verse 26 and 27, the story begins, and it says, In the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth, Mary's relative, who's now pregnant with John the Baptist, the sixth month of her pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent to was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin, twice you notice it says that, her name was Mary. Gabriel, only two times in the Bible are angels named, two angels are named. Gabriel, who's the other one? Michael, absolutely. So, he shows up to this young lady and says she lived in Nazareth. Now, we have a map. I don't have my little pointer. I've lost it uh, temporarily, I hope. But if you see, you can see Jerusalem. You see the Dead Sea. Mediterranean Sea's on the left, Jerusalem. Nazareth is, is straight up from there north, probably as, as you would walk, about 95 miles. 
It's an obscure village of about 1,600 people. It has a bad reputation. All the story of Jesus is just so neat. It, it had a bad reputation because the Romans had put a military, like a we'd say a small fort there. And so you had Jewish people and you had a lot of Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And to the Jewish people, that was offensive. And a lot of the soldiers were probably pretty rough and tough. So Nazareth had a bad reputation. So people reading this story go, whoa, to, uh, to a, a, a person in Nazareth. And it says twice that she was a virgin. Now, if you're taking notes, that word virgin in the New Testament literally means someone who has never had sex. It doesn't just mean a nice girl or a pure person or a pure boy. Uh, being pure and nice is good. It literally means someone who's never had sex. And it says that they were betrothed. Do you see that? A virgin betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph. Now, you can read through the Christmas story a thousand times and miss the significance of that. Depending on your translation, it may say pledged. But the Jewish marriage process in Jesus' particular area, and it, it could vary area to area, was this. You got engaged when you were five years old. Wouldn't that have been great? My granddaughter Riley's here. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been great if we could have picked her out a man at five, and then she's on the playground at six, and some little boy's flirting with her. Nope, I'm engaged. Right? I don't know about how many of you shake when you think of your parents prearranging your marriage. Man, I, do. I can hear my dad. She's a nice young lady. But, Dad, have you seen her? You know, that wouldn't have mattered. She's a nice young lady. So they got engaged when they were little bitty. And then you had the patrol stage. And then you had the marriage proper. They were in, Mary and Joseph were in the patrol, patrol stage, which lasted a year. It's very unusual. During this time, you are considered husband and wife. The only way that this can be broken now is by death or divorce. You're considered marriage, but married, but here's the catch. She still lives at home with daddy, and you're not supposed to have sex, okay? So that's going to be important as we unpack this more in a moment. Let's go ahead and roll through verse uh, 27 through 30, 28 through 33. And he came to her, the angel said, greetings, the Lord is with you. But Mary was troubled at the saying, the only person in the Bible that doesn't scream when an angel appears is the 12 to 14-year-old young lady. Isn't that interesting? And she was troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. Jesus means God saves. It's the Greek of the Hebrew, Joshua. Your son is going to be the God who saves. That had to make her sit up and pay attention. Verse 32, he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. He's going to be the unique son of God. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Listen, Mary and Jesus, uh, Joseph both trace their bloodline back to King David. And that's huge. David was the most significant king in and the Jewish people's history. And when they talked about the Messiah to come, they said he's coming in the line and the bloodline. And he's going to be a king even greater than David. And, and then he goes on and he says, And the Lord will give him to the throne of his father David. And verse 33, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That Jacob there, if, if you're a, a Christian, we trace our spiritual lineage back to Abraham. So do the Jews and so do the Muslims. But we trace it particularly from Abraham to Isaac, right? Abraham had more than one son, Abraham to Isaac. Isaac had two sons. Who were those sons? Jacob and Esau. And then we trace our spiritual lineage not to Esau, but to who? 
but to Jacob. And, and what, what she's saying here, what the angel's saying in a nutshell to Mary is, Mary, you're going to have a baby. You've never had sex. It's going to be a pretty interesting deal. And your baby, not only, not only you're 13, 14 years old maybe, your baby is going to be the promised Messiah that the Jewish people have been waiting for. He's going to be the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the King of Kings. How many of you think that would be a little overwhelming message today? When you say, Angel, can I have a little time out? I need some personal time, some safe space time maybe. I mean, that kind of blow you away. And Mary's question's great here, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Again, the word virgin literally means someone who's never had sex here, not known a person, man or woman, intimately. In California, true story, this headline got my attention. 45-year-old lady gives birth to a child. She said she had no idea she was pregnant. How does that happen? I mean, you like eating at McDonald's today, and all of a sudden you have stomach pains, and you go to the hospital, and tomorrow you come home with an eight-pound baby. I don't know how that happened. I know how it happened. Amen? And I think she must be smoking something or something's wrong if she didn't know she was pregnant nine months into it. Would you agree? That's kind of weird. I think, I think she's hiding something. Mary said, hey, I can't get pregnant. I've never had sex. And listen to what the, the first person that doubted the virgin birth was Mary. Listen to what the angel says. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived another miracle. And she is in the sixth month with her, and she was barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. How do I believe this happened? I think the Holy Spirit touched Mary's womb and I think instantaneously she became pregnant. I think that's exactly. How many of you say that's a miracle? It is a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. And again, our question today, if God is God, then God can do miracles, right? I mean, if you can create the earth and the world and people, you can pull off a miracle. Amen? Would you agree with that? Theologians technically define a miracle is, is when something happens that goes against the laws of nature, such as someone walking across water, like Jesus walking across a lake, or Jesus taking a couple of little Debbies and feeding 10,000 people. That's supernatural. Would you agree? I, I want to tell you how I define a miracle because I think it's broader than that. I, I mean, it, 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 absolutely, when supernatural things happen, that's a miracle. But, but let me tell you some, some more thoughts on a miracle. When, when God does something that we can't do, that's a miracle. When God produces something that I can't produce, that's a miracle. When God stops something I can't stop or you can't stop, that's a miracle. When God starts something you can't start, that's a miracle. When God intervenes when things are falling apart, that's a miracle. And I want to tell you this morning, God can still do miracles. God still does miracles. And I want to walk you through a couple of things today. How do we pin this onto our hearts and our lives? Number one, miracles come to the right kind of people. This is a general rule. Miracles come to the right kind of people. You want a miracle, you need to make sure you are who you should be. And, and I want to tell you this. Listen, friend, I, I think with every sermon that either you're here or you'll be there in the future. Some of you need a miracle today. Some of you, you know, well, I'm cool, everything's great. You may need this time next week, man, you may be flat on your back begging God to intervene. 
We need miracles. And I think it starts with us being the right kind of person. Now, that's general because God does miracles sometimes to get people's attention. People who are not, he struck the apostle, the guy Saul down on the road to Damascus, a miracle to get his attention. Naim, who was here a few months ago, talked about God showing up in his room and, and intervening and pulling him to him. I think you would say when, when the world was destroyed by the flood or Sodom and Gomorrah, when it was destroyed, that we would say those are miracles. Those weren't good miracles if you weren't Noah, but they're miracles. But for the most part, probably for where you are and where I am today, where your family is and where my family is today, we need miracles, and it's going to come down a lot to who we are if God's going to work in our lives. Let me give you three qualities that we see in Mary. Number one is pure. God shows up in the life of pure people. Mary's 13 or 14. She's a, she's a commoner. She's in the bloodline of, of David, which is hugely important, but so were a thousand other women over the last thousand years. She's never had sex. That's hugely important for this, this case here, but there were probably young virgins before her too. Her parents are nobodies. We know nothing about them. She has no prestige, no power, and yet God shows her to be the mother of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 34, Mary said, how will this be since I am a virgin? There was a little boy in Sunday school class. They had drawn the Christmas story, and he came home, and he showed his parents, and he showed them, here's the star, and here's the barn, and here's the shepherd out here, and here's some sheep, and then here's Mary, and here's, here's a little manger, and you can see there's something laying in a manger that looks like a little baby. And then besides the, the, the baby, Jesus is a real fat man, big fat guy. And the mama says, now, who is the big fat man? And, and the little boy says, that's round John Virgin. <laughs> you know your Christmas carols? <laughs> okay. Anyway, back to purity. <laughs> laugh or you won't enjoy heaven I'm telling you there are going to be a lot of unhappy Christians in heaven in there this is just too much joy up here okay there's not joy south remember that when God looked for the lady to bear his son she had to be a literal virgin but I want to tell you Mary's purity was was much deeper than that some of you are saying this morning hey I'm disqualified I have messed up I'm not pure I'm not who I should have been I lost my virginity way before I should have I'm not who I should be this morning here at church if you're that person you're absolutely where you need to be at church. Let me tell you, here's the cool thing about God. He's not looking for anybody else to be the mother of the Savior. That's already been taken. Okay? You know what God looks for you in purity? Where you are right now. Isn't that great? See, other people hold our past over us. God does not. God wants you to get your past right with Him. 
God wants your heart to be pure. See, a lot of church people are pure outwardly. They're just mean and rotten on the inside. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You see, God shows up in the lives of people, in the, the lives of churches and families, not where there's perfection, not where there's perfection in the past, but where there's right direction right now. And there's purity of heart, purity of motive, purity of life day. Absolutely, God, God expects you to be a pure person from this point on. Make the decision. Miracles show up in the lives of people who aren't perfect, but who are striving to please God and to be pure. Listen, please write this down if you're taking notes. You don't rent miracles. You don't use God. You don't manipulate God. You can manipulate me. I'm not real smart. You can, you can manipulate a church. You cannot manipulate God. God shows up in the lives of the right kind of people. Purity. Number two is open. An open person. Mary asked, how will this happen? I'm a virgin. And then the angel says, hey, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary's hearing it, and she's listening, and she's taking it in. I want to ask you this morning, even right now, are you hearing maybe what God might even be trying to say through our music earlier or through me? Are you really listening are, are you listening to God? See, a lot of us, we don't listen. And some of us, we listen like this. We're just waiting for you to shut up so we can respond, right? Here's how I'm afraid it would happen today if Mary was here and, and the angel showed up for a lot of us. We're doing this. The phone's turned off, so don't panic. It's not my phone, so don't text me. We're, you know, the, the angel shows up, and we'd be like, <gasps> Wait a second, let me finish. Then we, you know, we'd have to, then we'd, wait, I got to get a picture of the angel, right? Hey, angel, come over here. Let's get a, am I telling you the truth? And then the angel would start talking. We'd say, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Got to check the scores. Does it annoy you when you're trying to talk to somebody and they're talking to you like this? Mm -hmm, Yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. That bother anybody? They're not really listening. They're not, they're not paying attention. If you struggle listening to people who are standing before you, you really probably struggle with God. God has something he wants to say to you and to me. And many of us are going to miss it because we won't hear him. And then we don't hear with ears to really take it in. I want God to show up in my life. Okay, get pure. And be open to hear what God has to say. Be, be open and taken in. Believe what God's fixing to tell you because it may not make sense. That's why it's going to be called a miracle. Believe what God's going to say. Be open to hear God. Listen, God shows up and does miracles in the lives of people who are pure and open. And the last thing I would say here is surrendered. God shows up to people who are surrendered to him. People whose heart are surrendered. This last Monday, a professor named Dr. Eric Sprankle, Minnesota State University, listen to what he tweeted about the virgin birth and about Mary and God. An all-knowing, all-powerful God impregnating a teenager without her consent. Sounds like a great God. What a buffoon. Read verse 38 with me. We'll get consent. 
And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left her. The word servant there is not strong enough. Literally, she's saying, God, I'm your slave. Or she's using the word servant, which meant the absolute lowest servant there was. Someone being in servitude to the other person. In other words, she's hearing something that's incredible. And God's saying, I want to do a miracle in your life. Let me stop and pose a question. What if we get to heaven and find out that God showed up to a hundred other ladies over the course of history? And they just said no. They were on their phone 2,000 years ago. They weren't open. Are they just, I don't think I want to do that. But when God showed up to Mary, Mary gave full consent. She said, anything that you tell me, anything you want me to do, I'm yours. I will do it. You know what God's waiting for for many of us this morning is just permission. God's waiting for you to say, I'll let you be God again. Some of you are Christians, but Jesus hadn't been Lord of your life in years. I'll let you be Lord again. I'll let you control me again. You can't rent God. You can't rent miracles. You can't use God. You, you do God on his terms. I, I don't know who said this, but it's really good. If you want a miracle, you better get under the master. You want to see the supernatural, you better get under the Savior. I want to tell you this morning, God shows up in the lives, in the prayer lives, and in the lives of, of men and women who aren't playing games with him. Imperfect but seeking to be pure, imperfect, but open. That takes humility. Many of us are going to struggle there. And surrender, saying, God, listen, Mary had to know this is not going to go well. And you can bet it didn't go well. It's going to be difficult. But I'm yours, God. That's what God's wanting to hear. God shows up in the lives of the right kind of people. Now, I want to give you a second thought on miracles that I think is important. Situational situational miracles happen in one of three ways. What do I mean by situational miracle? A situational miracle, we would say, when God intervenes in a situation, a person's healed, someone's protected supernaturally, a situational miracle. That God God seems to work in one of three ways does he do a miracle. This is really important. One is immediately. I mean, God just shows up, and he, this is the one we love immediately. God shows up, and, and things are just, I mean, absolutely, things are great overnight. I think with Mary, that's what happened. I think the Holy Spirit touched her womb, and I think she was pregnant right then. That's the miracle I like. You like to pray, and you like to see that person healed. You like to see that person saved, that marriage restored immediately. They feel better And God does work that way. It's not the only way, but it is. In Minnesota in December 1980, a man named Wally Nelson walks out on his front porch at 6 in the morning, and there's a 19-year-old girl named Jean Hilliard on his front porch. He said, frozen like a log. It was negative 22 degrees outside. They found out later she had been out there six for six hours. He called the ambulance. He just assumed they're going to come and pronounce her dead. They take her to the hospital she lives. She not only lives, she just has frostbite on a couple of toes. She walks out of the hospital a day later. That is a miracle. Would you agree? I mean, that's an instantaneous miracle. That's, how many of you like that? I mean, that person that's driving you crazy moves to the jungles of Africa tomorrow. Amen? Where are they? They're gone. Aliens. 
How many of you would like to be some abductions that you know? God abduct them. Wouldn't that be awesome? Somebody's praying that about you and me. Never forget that. We love the immediate miracle. Listen, God can and God does do that. But here's the second way I've seen God work through the years a lot. God heals and does a miracle over time. Miracles happen over time. Boy, don't you ever forget this is a miracle. I heard Paul Cho, a preacher at the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. This was some, some time ago, but he taught, there was a, his church people come in and pray to be healed and believe strongly in that. We believe strongly in that. And he talked about a lady who had cancer. And they prayed for her to be healed and they anointed her with oil and they believed God and nothing happened. Doctors gave her six months to live. She said, Dr. Cho, I'm going to stay at your church. I'll rent an apartment in town. I'm going to stay at your church. I'm going to keep taking medicine, but I'm going to come and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. I'm going to believe God. He said a year later she was healed completely. Didn't happen like that. It happened over time. If you're taking notes or you're taking mental notes, let me tell you, that's how God's worked in my life most of the time. Man, something happens or there's some problem or there's some struggle, and I'm saying, God, please pull, pull it out, Lord. Fix it. Heal me. And, and a lot of times what God has done is he's made me walk with it. And then I can look back a year later, two years later, and say, my goodness, God healed me. Yeah, maybe I, I, take, I could take medicine. Man, you're doing the right things. You're doing everything you could. But it was a miracle. And let me tell you, that's what God's going to do in a lot of your lives. Because God will teach you more lessons by healing you over a year. A lot of times he's going to teach you in healing you overnight. Amen. Certain times in my life, if God would remove the pain instantaneously, I wouldn't have got anything out of it except a thank you, God. But man, listen, you're struggling with the situation. You keep praying. You keep believing. Listen, God may not intervene overnight and do a miracle, but God's in the miracle working business. But here's a third way that God does miracles, and this really is a miracle. God helps us to live victoriously through the situation. This is not the miracle I like. 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul, he says he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. I've literally heard someone say it was a mean ex-wife. I don't think that's what it was. Some of you with mean ex-wives may be going, amen, that's probably what it was. It was probably a bad eye problem. And it says he prayed three times. And I don't think that meant just three little prayers. I, pray, I think it means seasons of prayer. God, heal me of this. And now, before I tell you the rest of the story, some of you know it, but Paul was a guy that prayed and dead people came back to life. Would you want Paul praying for you? Paul was a guy who prayed and sick people got healed instantaneously. Paul was a guy that had a gift of it. Listen, Paul got bit by a poisonous snake shook it off into the fire and continued to eat his hot dog on the island. Last part of that maybe is not certain, but he continued on. Paul had the faith to be healed, but listen, he said, I prayed and I begged God to remove it. And God said, nope, I'm not going to remove that. Here's going to be the miracle. You're going to live with that situation and it's going to make you a lot better person and a lot more godly person. You see, the miracle here is this. Some people don't live through it. They commit suicide. 
They become alcoholics. They become drug addicts. They, they quit on their marriage. They quit on their family. Sometimes the greatest miracle is that you can keep marching forward by the power of God and get the victory. And that's a miracle. Let's look at verse 37 one more time. I want you to say this out loud with me. For nothing will be impossible with God. I do not know what your situation is or what it's going to be. But I know if you and I will be who we need to be, God is always who he needs to be. Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I read that several times a week and I remind myself the same God that did it then can do it today and can do it to tomorrow. Hang on, be the right person, and hang on to a God whose power is always going to be great enough to help you if you'll let him. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I pray that God's working in your heart and that you will make sure you're aligned with Him as you should be. If you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, pray with me if you're ready and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's Son. And that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment and give you a chance to respond. Maybe you just ask Christ in your heart or you're ready to. The greatest miracle there is is a person giving their life to Christ and being changed by him forever. You come when we sing or you after church, I'll be at this door. Ministers will be around. You give your life to Christ before this, this hour is over. Maybe you'd like to join this church. We would love for you to. You can come when we stand. You can catch me or a minister over here after church. We are a church that believes that God's not changed and that miracles still happen. If that's what you're looking for, join us today. Maybe as a Christian today, it's time to repent and get yourself back in a blessable place place maybe you want to come and pray with the minister pray at the altar for that miracle that you need let's stand let's stand and as God leads you you come and oh, holy night, the stars are